0: This is the Tropic Pianist Gamers podcast, episode 19, The Wake Up Call. To this day, I am still scared of hospitals and doctors. I briefly wasn't scared of hospitals and doctors, but after my experiences in the last few years, I'm even more scared of hospitals and doctors than I ever was before. But of course, those of you who followed my journey and maybe have even read my book, you'll know that I've claimed to have overcome my anxiety disorder. Now i have been told that it's impossible to actually cure a disorder but it's possible to find ways of coping and finding strengths in that disorder which is exactly what i've done but there's some things that i've still not overcome and one of them is hospitals and doctors so here's this bit of my story as a child and teen My mum brought me up to believe that pills were bad and that I shouldn't take tablets unless it was a matter of life and death. So that's the viewpoint that I took with me into adulthood. In some respects, I'm grateful for that because when all of my peers were starting to take the pill for their periods, my mum told me it wasn't a good idea. And with all the news stories in the last year or two saying that the pill has all these side effects that people hadn't considered, I'm glad I escaped that just because my mum feared it at the time but that wasn't my first run in with the hospital when i was in year six i had a severe kidney infection and my mum started to panic and think i was dying or that's what it felt like she might not have thought that but the fear projected onto me i remember actually walking out of that hospital with a diagnosis of cystitis and being told oh it's nothing that serious just drink plenty of fluids so my mum from that day onwards always served me peach and barley water for my drink at school when I had a packed lunch but my very very first experience at the hospital was actually my mum as the patient who was pregnant with my little brother and I watched her having the scan and I remember I was in year four at the time and I went and told all my school friends that babies came out of machines only to be laughed at hysterically I learnt my lesson quite early on there babies don't come out of machines at all. I did have asthma throughout childhood though, so I had to go back every year for my inhaler update and review, and most of the times they'd be telling me off for not doing it properly or not doing it enough. But my mum, although she was asthmatic herself and encouraged doing the inhalers, her advice about not taking the tablets was always ingrained into my mind. I only really needed the uh, inhaler maybe once or twice when I actually nearly had an asthma attack but usually my asthma was so mild that no one could actually tell I had it at all unless I was doing cross country at school where I was the last one or being lapped by the fast people. To be fair that hasn't changed because when I'm doing part run I get lapped but it's okay as long as I'm under 40 minutes but more on the part run later. When I was diagnosed with high blood pressure in 2012, obviously that meant a few trips to the doctors, but I never had to actually go to the hospital about it. They put me on something called Respirate, which encouraged deep breathing for a year. But I realised that it wasn't working when I nearly collapsed in 2013 while helping my husband at his office doing timetabling. For some reason, the stress had got to me and I nearly collapsed because my blood pressure went through the roof. And it was at that point they had to put me on tablets. I actually had a meltdown just before I had to take the first tablets because of that ingrained mindset that tablets were evil, I was actually petrified of taking them in case something else happened because all the side effects were listed and I made sure to read all the small print before even considering taking the tablets, but my husband managed to talk me down eventually and I did take the first one and I'm probably on that medication for life now. But The other side of that argument, from my husband's point of view, was you're only on the minimum dose, it's fine. It's not going to affect you a great deal. It's like one milligram of what you're needing to take and it is fine. Don't fret about it. And that actually helped because I was okay taking it after that. But then I got pregnant and those those tablets didn't work with the pregnancy. It actually had the side effects of having a small baby, so I didn't realise I was pregnant until I was six weeks in, and I'd been taking those tablets, so I always have that guilt in the back of my mind that I didn't find out soon enough and stop taking those tablets, because they put me on a different type of tablets after that for the rest of my pregnancy. But they didn't work, so I was constantly anxious about the tablets and the side effects, and whether they were working or not, that my blood pressure kept spiking, just randomly. I was stressed about everything, I was stressed about nothing at the same time. It was ridiculous and I was at high risk of preeclampsia. So by the time I was due to have my baby, I was high risk and under consultant care. I think you get preeclampsia around week 37 but I actually had my baby in week 37 so I managed to avoid it somehow, I don't know how. But I'll always be grateful that he came that little bit early so I didn't have to go through that because I observed that my blood pressure was going up and up and up that first week he was born. They tried to keep me in the hospital but they stressed me out. So when I was pregnant, I kept getting sent to the hospital because my blood pressure kept spiking. Most often when I was pregnant, it was because Zelda Breath of the Wild had just come out. It came out in March 2017 when I was about seven months pregnant. And I kept getting sent to the hospital because of high blood pressure. When they asked me what had spiked my blood pressure, the only answer I could give was, I just got killed by a divine beast in Zelda. To be reacted to with a completely blank look, and I was like, oh, it's a gaming thing, never you mind. And they'd chuckle but be concerned, and in the end I had to stop playing that game because it was stressing me out. What actually happened with that game was I got a friend to complete it for me so I could watch it from afar without getting stressed about dying by Divine Beasts and Ganon. It worked out in the end, but the pregnancy and the birth, I will tell more of that story in a future episode, but it went as smooth as it could have gone. And because of the CBT I'd had when I was pregnant in the earlier days, I thought I could manage, I thought I could cope, and I ultimately thought that I could overcome my fear of hospitals through giving birth in the hospital but it didn't work that way. What actually happened was my fear increased by tenfold after the pregnancy and the birth because I wasn't listened to and I actually had a breakdown within 24 hours of giving birth because I wasn't listened to. The worst point of that was when I threatened to abandon my baby because I just wanted to go home and have some sleep. I'd been 48 hours with no sleep and I was at my end of wit, and I had nowhere else to go, but I just wanted to go home to my bed. But yes, that's a story for another day. But the experience of that hospital made me never want to have a child again, made me never want to be ill to end up in hospital again. So, in 2019, life hit rock bottom. The wake-up call was imminent, but I didn't know it yet. I'd been failing at everything. I felt failed as a piano teacher. I'd been teaching for about three years by then, and even though I was getting the recommendations by word of mouth, I still felt like I failed because I couldn't fill my slots, and other piano teachers were doing much better than me. I was comparing myself all the time, and I was slowly falling out with Dr G as well. I'd lost the ability to communicate properly, and when I get anxious, I still get anxious very occasionally now through stress. But when I got anxious back then, I'd just shut off from the world, I'd withdraw emotionally physically and everything else, and I'd just become a shell of my former self, and that happened in two thousand nineteen in the summer and I actually remember going to an event in the early August in Manor bridge and Dr G wasn't communicating at all, he was giving me this stony look, as in, I don't care that you're here kind of look, and it broke me completely, but I didn't know how to tackle it. That summer is where the picture comes from, from the cover of this podcast. I don't usually mention the cover picture, but that picture is from May 2019, just after my student's recital, and I looked happy, and I was happy for him, but I was so sad inside because... I saw that photo and I just knew I was fat and I didn't like how I looked. I hated myself and I didn't know how to fix it. So throughout that summer, I was just getting more and more down and hit rock bottom. And it wasn't until the September after numerous weekends of you've got heartburn, you've got heartburn. I I ignored it as in I'd take something for it and then moan about it and then go back to my usual depressed self the next day. It took until the September of 2019, and I was feeling particularly low one day just before piano lessons. I had a particularly difficult student who was struggling to engage. He was quite young, but I used to eat a jelly baby before every lesson just to keep my energy levels up. I was sleep deprived with a toddler at the time, and I couldn't have caffeine due to the high blood pressure. So sweets were the option that I went for. It was a packet of Jelly Babies originally. Um, And my toddler actually discovered my stash in my drawer and Dr G was like, you can't have your stash anymore. So that one lesson, it was a Wednesday afternoon. I ate half a chocolate orange. Now, some people are like, oh, that's nothing. I could eat a whole chocolate orange. But if you think of all the build-up from the summer, it just needed that one thing to trigger. And that was the trigger. Half a chocolate orange caused me to land in hospital. I thought I had appendicitis and I was dying. I was a good one at googling, Dr. Google. I was told off for that multiple times by the hospital over the years, but it didn't stop me. I preferred to do my own research. I knew my own body or I thought I did. And when it came up with, you might have appendicitis, I panicked. I'd Spent a good week just lying on the sofa, not able to move. I was in so much pain. I described it as worse than childbirth, and I remembered every detail of the childbirth. They say you forget. The pain made dull, but I journaled every single moment of the pregnancy journey and the birth, so I did not forget the details at all. And it was worse than childbirth. But it actually turned out it was gallbladder issues, not appendicitis. So the, the doctor who was dealing with me said... Well, it's okay, you're not going to die, but we need to remove your gallbladder. My fear of hospitals means that I don't like any intervention and I don't like doctors doing things to my body. Which includes operations, surgeries, anything like that. I've never had to be put down for an operation or surgery. I'm very lucky in that respect, but the prospect of it sent the frights to me. I refuse to have it out and they were flabbergasted they were like why would you choose not to have it out i was like you're not touching me i'm discharging myself but me being me i was always very polite and civil about everything so i wouldn't just run away i would sign the paperwork saying that i would discharged myself and then discharged myself so this was no different i'd done it multiple times while pregnant and giving birth i discharged myself after the birth of my child as well but i'd always sign the paperwork to this day i still have my gallbladder but that was the wake-up call that I needed. If I didn't have my gallbladder out, I had to change my lifestyle. I was obese categorically, even though I didn't see myself as obese at the time. I was a hefty 90 kilograms, And looking back at that picture in May 19, I was definitely more overweight than I thought I was. It was all that sugar... To overcome the gallbladder problems, it was said that I needed to reduce my fat and sugar intake. So, because it had taken me two weeks of illness to get over the gallbladder pain, and I was eating watery porridge for that because I had to eat something, it was actually quite easy to cut out the sugar and the fat because I wasn't eating properly anyway. So, I just stopped eating fat and sugar, and I quite easily lost two stone or 13 kilograms between September-October 2019 to March 2020, which of course was lockdown, that wake-up call definitely worked because I wouldn't have been able to lose those two stone otherwise I managed to keep it off in lockdown as well because I was so fixated on my routine and the need to have that consistency. I'd started playing Ring Fit Adventure in October 2019 and that was adding to consistency. So my routine was basically, don't eat the sugar and the fat, do Ring Fit every day, you'll be fine. And I lost those two stone. I was starting to get body confidence then which led the path to the rest of the way of overcoming the anxiety disorder, effectively, because I needed to start to love my own body before I was able to be visual in what I was promoting. So I went from being terrified of being in a photo and only being in group settings to happily taking a selfie of what I got up to in the day, or wearing a new dress or a pair of leggings that I later found in lockdown. But that wake-up call was absolutely needed, even though it felt like the depths of hell at the time. And they often say you have to hit rock bottom to be able to grow from that. I didn't know what my rock bottom was until I hit it. And it's been upwards since then. I started networking in the October of 2019 and I've been growing ever since. Okay, I may have put half of that weight back on but I've learnt body confidence before that so even though I'm slightly bigger than I would ideally like to be, it's not an issue anymore because my mission is all about being 100% true to myself, 100% authentic and being happy and enjoying my life. If that means the occasional treat of food, so be it. I do park run every week that I'm able to I work out on circuits three times a week now. I hula hoop in the evenings when I have time. But I still enjoy my gaming sessions with my husband and other friends. I still read books in the evenings. I like to cycle through different ideas for the evenings. I don't keep them all the same. I'm not on a fixed routine like I forced myself into for lockdown. But back then it was all about survival. Because most of us in lockdown were all about survival and that's what mattered. But unlike lots of people who felt shut away, of course I found the light in lockdown. So one of the first things I found in lockdown was the way to body confidence. And to date, I've never had to go back to the hospital and I've still got my gallbladder. And as of with all my business and my personal life, consistency is key and never giving up. Later this month, I'm having a conversation with Hayley Perkins who is a food therapist and wants to talk about if diets don't work, then what does? Tune in on the 22nd of September to listen to that. And from me, it's bye for now.